I'm Morgan Jenkins, here to enjoy International Podcast Month, and I'm from Going In Blind, a podcast where vision-impaired players play 5th edition's Dungeons & Dragons by throwing fireballs at everything and then running away. Hi, I'm your husband and GM, Zach. I'm your wife and player, Diana. And we host Heart Points, a one-to-one -one RPG podcast. Our ongoing fantasy game is set in the city of Sagranza. I play a runaway guild princess. It's kind of like the president's daughter meets... Conan. It's got evil gods, guild conspiracies... Billowy pants and flirting. Plus other games, too. So come join us every Monday. Heart Points. Until next time, have a very nice day. But, like, a very, very nice one. Deliverance Ohio breeds monsters like pests in a petri dish. People go missing, an angel wanders through the stacks of the college library, and a non-denominational youth group hides arcane secrets behind the face of prayer circles and ice cream socials. But what else lurks in the unexplored places? Hi, I'm DM Mitch. And I'm DM Neil. And we're from the Dungeon Master's Block. Are you running an RPG and can't think of what to do next? Then give us a listen, and hopefully we can help you through that Dungeon Master's Block. Our main focus is to discuss storytelling, world building, and the art of dungeon mastering. So head on over to blockpartypodcastnetwork.com and find out everything you need to know about the Dungeon Master's Block and keep on dungeon mastering. We'll we'll put some content warnings at the beginning of this episode for like, um, body horror. Uh... Well, hello, friends and anemones, and welcome to a very special episode of I Am Here, celebrating International Podcast Month. I am your host Taylor, and I use he/him pronouns, and I run Riverhouse Games and Game Closet, an informal chat show with all sorts of queer and LGBT plus tabletop gamers. Podcasters from around the RPG community have banded together to create a series of one-shot games for International Podcasting Month to promote diverse and inclusive gaming and to celebrate the hard work we do as podcasters. Today's game is a very special game. It is called Descent into Midnight, and it was designed and created by yours truly in conjunction with Rich Howard, Richard Kreutzlandry, and Brandon Leon Gambetta. Joined with me for this very special game are a group of friends. Um, we are going to be celebrating all of them. I'll give them all time to introduce themselves. Why don't we start with Christine? Hi, I'm Christine. Uh, my pronouns are they, them, and you can find me GMing the Unexplored Places a monster hunting podcast about college students and youth groups. Hell yeah. We also have Morgan. Hello, I'm Morgan. I use she, her pronouns, and I GM the Going In Blind podcast, a podcast where vision-impaired players play Dungeons and & Dragons and set fire to almost anything and everything I throw at them. That sounds awesome. Uh, let's also hear from Neil. So I am Neil, I use he, him, and you can find me mainly on the Dungeon Master's block, and you can also find Wound, the Young Justice Files, which I help produce and occasionally guest on. And then last but not least, we have Zach. Hi, I'm Zach, I use he, him pronouns. You can usually find me on the Heart Points podcast, where I am usually GMing uh, a one-to-one -one RPG session with my wife, Diana. That sounds beautiful. So, we are going to be playing a very special game that I had a direct hand in creating. We are still playtesting this game. You can find more information at descentintomidnight.com. Uh, but what we're going to do is is play a game of it. So we've already done some head start uh, 
character creation stuff. Um, character creation and world creation is unique in Descent into Midnight because there is no canon setting. We are creating the canon for our story kind of as we play. So we've all generated our characters. We've rolled them up. Um, we are going to go around and meet all of our different characters. Uh, I hope you all have picked out names because I did not tell you to do that as part of character creation. Um, also, another thing about Descent into Midnight um, for those unfamiliar, we are going to be playing uh, aquatic guardians of an underwater biosystem. Um, we are going to be working as a team and as friends to keep our home safe uh, from a source of corruption. Um, so we are playing in a world where humanity has never stepped foot, in a universe where humanity may never have existed. Uh, so these are entirely alien underwater species. Um, we're going to see some really cool character concepts. We're going to find out all about the amazing life that lives in the oceans of this planet that we are going to create. Um, one thing to note is that since we are living in a world where humanity has never existed, uh, it may be easy to anthropomorphize things, so to put human labels on things, to assign human traits to things. Um, let's try and avoid doing that. Uh, one obvious example of that might be um, using human pronouns for our characters. Um, I encourage you, however, because we are not aquatic creatures playing this game, we are human people playing this game, and pronouns may mean uh, different things and may have importance to different people. So if you want to use he, she, or they for your characters, I encourage you to do so. Um, but please do not feel bound by you know anything like that. Go nuts in the same way that you go nuts describing your character. Um, so let's do it in reverse order. Let's meet some of our characters. Uh, Zach, why don't you tell me about the cultivator that you will be playing today? Uh, yeah, I'm playing uh, Dantalion, the cultivator. Uh, uh, they are boisterous and blooming. Uh, I chose for their look. I'm picturing a Dantalion as like a, an axolotl type creature, except yeah. with a massive tail, like a sea snake like tail that just is like trails far behind them. Um, for their psionics, I chose healing spores. Um, for their attitude, I chose nurturing, and for their homeland, I chose a vibrant reef. Yeah. Um, tell me about this huge tail that Dantalion has. Like, how huge are we talking? I think it's, like, twice the length of their body. Um, I'm not sure, yeah. really, uh, what scale, kind of, we're thinking of for the Arsapient creatures. If they're, um, massive, then... I. I I think Dentalion is about average size compared to the other sapient races. Um, I also think uh, Dentalion has... Um, so uh, they have the big axolotl gills. Um, and I also think mm -hmm. like towards the like back where their hind legs are, they have um, like uh, nudibranch gills to help them uh, get extra oxygen and help filter out the, the salt um, because... Uh, so that they don't in take in too much salt uh, and like long catfish like whiskers they look very like like wise and i think yeah i love the the detail of the large whiskers um also it it occurs to me that this is a character with many like long and thin protuberances whether that's your gills or your whiskers mm -hmm. or your tail just like many long and flowing things reaching out from your body and i love it yeah very i much. think as they move through the water they're very like um yeah, very, like, silky-looking. Oh, excellent. Very, very cool. Uh, Neil, let's hear about your character. So, this, 
the M Yes, this is interesting. So for looks, I, I'm going to be honest, I didn't even look at the playbook because I already had the idea in my head that it's the character I'm playing is essentially the disembodiment of echolocation. And when people yeah. enter the area that my character exists in, they know I'm there. And it's more of a feeling than anything else. And then that goes to the idea of the psionics. I chose influence emotions and the attitude was thoughtful. And I also chose a vibrant reef as my home because I could yeah. be connected to so many other creatures that I really consider that to be a place that I want to be. And my character's name is Gihon. Excellent. Um, this is one of our more creative character uh character designs um i love seeing everyone's character designs for their descent into midnight characters because there is no like rules with a capital r and like a trademark symbol after the word about like what your character can be or look like um so this is this is fantastic i love this neil um morgan let's meet our next character okay um so my character uh is named vorden and vorden is I um uh well they they're the awakened so they were once a creature that had uh, no real sense of itself of its surroundings it just lived its life and one day um it's not sure how or why uh it became aware and it is a a tube worm it it grew up in a, a thermal vent it uh, existed down there with a lot of other tube worms attached to, to sulfurous rocks. Um, it has a long, thin, uh, white body, and then at the very tip of that, uh, quite a so solid body, uh, and then at the tip of that is a, a red protuberance uh, at, the, at the front. Some may say that it's a scary creature. I like to think of it more as hulking and huggable. And, uh, yeah. and uh, it has, uh, with the psionics, I have chosen heightened senses uh, because it is like a newborn babe and it's just taking everything in and it hasn't learnt to filter certain things out yet. So it's just, it's taking absolutely everything in that it can and its attitude is quite tender. Yeah, I, I love them so much. Um just uh, a cute little little friend and you have a cute little friend for your cute little friend i do you? uh when i became awakened uh i broke off uh not on purpose it just uh sometimes in the hydrothermal vents you get uh up updrafts and one of those uh got into the rock and and into a crack in the rock and lifted a chunk of rock up i happened to be on that chunk of rock and another one of my kind is on that chunk of rock as well and I call that worm Silky. Yeah. And they are my friend and I love them. <laughs> Excellent. We all love Silky. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a Silky appreciation <laughs> And then rounding us out, uh, Christine, let's hear about your character. Yes. The, uh, the Redeemed. Yes, the Redeemed. Um. I just spent that entire several minutes of introductions debating over pronouns for my character and went in completely the opposite direction I thought I would. Um, my character's name is Caldera, um, and Caldera uses she-her pronouns. 
um, for, for, um, for look and psionics, they kind of go together um, in creating the sort of character description I have of this character. Um, so for look, I chose deceptively delicate, and for psionics, mm. I chose perfect camouflage. Um, and the way that I'm imagining that is, um, I'm going to say a word that sounds very anthropomorphized, and I don't mean it that way. Um, Caldera is, in essence, like a gargantuan mermaid, um, but rather than mermaid mm. meaning half fish creature, half human, it's it's just that sort of silhouette, I guess. Um, I don't think that her top half is necessarily humanoid. It's just distinct from the sort of tail-like bottom half. Um, in terms of scale, I actually have a picture that sort of inspired this that I'm going to send to you all in our little chat. Um, oh, just awesome. like like abs like the the picture that I'm oh. that I've just sent is like a a large ship with like oh. a, a mermaid coming out of the water basically dwarfing it. I'm just yeah. imagining that she is like significantly larger than the other characters on a grand scale, like an like yeah. Um giant. Um but um as as her name sort of indicates, she's from a rather volcanic area. Um, and so the deceptively delicate and perfect camouflage, I think her skin is covered in, in imperfect plates of basaltic rock. Um, and so if she curls in on herself, she can, she looks like a rock. Um, but those plates of rock are not necessarily armored. They're actually quite fragile. Um, and so when they get hit with things, they will splinter and break off and, and fall apart. Um, oh, Excellent. For her attitude, I've chosen stoic. Um, and for her homeland, I've chosen um, abyssal cliff, which sort of goes along with this this volcanic landscape that she comes from. Yeah, very cool. This is just an awesome group of characters. It really is. Yeah, I'm very excited about this. Yeah. I am so pumped. I am so pumped. <laughs> <laughs> so we've created our characters. Now it's time to create the world in which we live in. Um so I, I mentioned before we started recording uh, that it's important to create the characters, at least for me, it's important to create the characters before we create the world because the story is about you four. Um, you live in the world around you, um, but, but I want to get what your characters look and feel like before I really start caring about the world. But now that we have that out of the way, let's talk about the world in which we live. So the four of you are a team of guardians. You protect and you nurture um, a, a home area that you, you all four live in now. Um, it can be related to your homeland. Uh, it can be something that is entirely new. Um, but we are going to create that together. So what I would like someone to do uh, is answer me the question, what is the most defining feature of the world in which we live in? Or at least the immediate environment in which our characters find themselves. Uh, so I'll answer this one because I think it plays well to kind of some of the background stuff we talked about with the cultivator. I think that the world we come from is extremely vibrant with life, but there's still, yeah. I mean, but with that comes a big turnover because not every creature lives for ever. So I think that, that really ha could help with whatever the cultivator wants to do. And I think it helps with my character because then I can try and be, connected to more creatures yeah and i like that a lot so that mm. that's my thought mm -hmm. 
Hell yeah. So what does that look like? What do we see as the camera pans over? I almost like it starting in, you know, because I think at least two of us had chosen the vibrant reef and it seems like this close-up shot and it seems very, you know, and very vibrant, like what we would basically understand as an air quote vibrant reef. And it kind of turns around and then it looks like the busiest scene you've ever seen. You figure you're supposed to find Waldo. That's how many creatures it just pans <laughs> out and just everything you could possibly imagine is out there coexisting together excellent um and i think yeah we'll we'll get into the specifics here because i'm already getting ahead of myself because i'm very excited about this uh so i would like uh i would like someone else besides neil to tell me about um a a non-sentient species of of life that lives in your world um what does the local wildlife look like i I think it would be interesting um, to have some predators, some like uh, non-sapient predators, mm. um, like uh, sharks or barracudas, something large and fast uh, and full of teeth that lurks in the darkness um, and kind of uh, inhabits the spaces in between the reefs or in between the reefs and the vents. Since there's, it, it seems, I think we're split between like two of us came from the reefs and two of us started in the vents. Um, so I'm kind of thinking mm-hmm. of those as two like different types of hubs of, 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 uh, of oh, oh, I, I'm starting to get very anthropomorphic. Um, but like in the spaces between sapient life, there are sharp things. Yeah. Um, I like that we, that you've only described them as large and full of teeth. Um, I think we just know them as the mouths. I like that. I just got chills. <laughs> <laughs> the mouths. Um, very cool. Uh, now between Christine and Morgan, I would love for someone to tell me about a local custom or celebration. Uh, this can be something from like an annual tradition, or it can be something that we do every day. Uh, what is like a a norm of our uh, life society. Ah, hmm. Uh, hmm. <laughs> I think I've got one in the works. Yeah. Um, I think with all of this sort of vibrant, colorful life, um, I'm very much feeling like a regular celebration of kinds. Um, and I think. I think that this area that we live in has um, pretty drastic, um, like, tidal shifts. Not necessarily, like, the tides on Earth where they're twice a day or whatever, um, but, like, over a period of time that the water rises and and lowers. um, And that when the water is at its deepest, we have um, a a great celebration. Um, Mm. And I think think that it involves um not so much gift giving as um going to the sort of within like local community areas um i don't want to say neighborhoods because again it feels anthropomorphizing but that you you go yeah. to the person that you or the not person <laughs> <laughs> uh you go to the 
um, trying to think of a non-anthropomorphic word for like neighbor here, but I think neighbor is probably okay. We can okay. say neighbor. Um, yeah. You go to the neighbor that you see the least or the neighbor that's the farthest from you and you share something with them at this time. Uh, I think because the water is higher, there's more mobility on, underneath it and within it. Um, so there's this idea of going out of your way to see to see a being that you don't ordinarily see and sharing something with them. Hell yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. Morgan, I would love for you to tell me about something that we take for granted, that we that happens all around us, but we don't see, or that we don't notice, I should say. I, I feel like, because we're in this vibrant, bright, um, exciting place, you have, I want to say like a, a kelp forest that that to a certain degree protects us from, from stronger tides and in, in, in this area and it's quite a, a large kelp forest um, and it just it, it has provided safe harbor it it is um, a, a barrier against certain other parts of, of of the world and it's been there forever it doesn't look like it's going to go anywhere and everyone basically just assumes that it will always remain a staple of our surroundings. Mm, excellent. I love it. So, we've we've made some establishing details about our world. So now I would love for everyone to close your eyes and picture, if you will, a bustling coral reef. Uh, lots of movement. Silvers, blues, yellows greens, um, just a, a massive moving of life. Um, we see small creatures um, cleaning off the, the corals. Uh, we see larger creatures kind of scouring the, the dead skeletons that every coral reef is built on. And we see some new skeletons that are added just kind of uh, as part of the natural turnover of life. And we see uh, just as, just as um, Creatures die and float down to the bottom of our coral reef to feed the community, uh, to give organic matter that our um, phytoplankton lives in, to uh, to inspire the coral reef to grow higher and brighter. Uh, we we see the newborn families of small uh, ocean creatures sprout and, and blossom um, in front of our very eyes. This is a, a life that is constantly on the move. Um, as this life moves and bustles, uh, we get a glimpse of some danger as a creature ventures too close to an edge, uh, or too close to a fissure in the coral. Um, and we see a flash of teeth, a large, fast, blurred object pulls this creature out of the water and the mouths feed as our, as our neighborhood receives more and more water from the tidal shift, which comes every single, uh, every single cycle. Um, we, we start going about our local community areas um, to find the farthest neighbor that we, we normally interact with, to bring them things from our lives to share, whether that is uh, blossoms of coral, whether that's um, food that we have made, whether that's art that we have uh, designed out of the, the environment around us, um, gadgets that we've grown in our gardens, um, or, or anything else. Um, 
And as the, the camera pulls back on this community, we see it nestled in a large kelp forest, an oasis in a sea of green uh, underneath this blue, blue water. Um, large shadows move about that green forest, and those shadows get closer. And I think we'll, we'll pull into our characters um, as the four of you kind of meet together uh, to talk about this community to start preparing. Um, you've started to feel something in the back of your minds that, that something is getting closer. Uh, it's not the ever-present danger of the mouths. You've become attuned to that, but it's something I think a little bit farther out. Um, I think actually, uh, I think I wrote your name down. I think Yihon, you feel it strongest because it's pulling at you kind of from the core of your existence. Um, as the disembodied echolocation, you feel it uh, reverberating around the community strongest. What do you do? In the sense of bringing it up, I try and see if anyone else feels it. Like if I'm starting to get those emotions from the rest of the group, I would I would wager that I don't. And then I would kind of bring up that I am starting to feel very uncomfortable about something. Well, yeah, let's see what you feel, because it sounds like you're investigating the world around you, even if that world around you is the immediate feelings of your mm -hmm. friends. Uh, so you've already told me what sense, expertise, or power you're using, so I would love for you to roll with community as we just start our game using the mechanics of Descent into Midnight. <laughs> and I will get a nine. Excellent. Uh, so you get to see something about your world. And I think behind your friends, you see their shadows in the echo. Uh, the echo is a world behind worlds, essentially. It is, um, it is echolocation. Um, we see the idealized form of everything as it exists within the echo. Uh, and you see your friends' echo um, starting to kind of move back from them. Uh, and then you see large echoes around you. Um, the echoes of the the kelp forest holding them at bay but they are pressing inwards so i'll kind of transfer these visions and thoughts to the group to see kind of get a feel for what they feel when they see and know these things yeah so how do the three of you feel upon getting this information very concerned uh this is um I, I don't want anything uh, dark coming from the forest uh, into our reef. That is, um, that's a sincere concern to me. So I think I'm like fretting a little bit, kind of like twirling a bit. Yeah. I think I'd feel a bit conflicted because I was born in, in dark places and darkness normally does not actually hold terror for me and yet these images and feelings that are being sent to me along with my growing sense of unease I, I'm I understand that these things are not good and that people that other creatures are reacting to them poorly but I don't intrinsically understand why yeah uh, editor's note, Taylor put this in the beginning. Um, we're going to be testing some of these mechanics in Descent into Midnight, uh, specifically corruption and also our advances. So I would like for everyone to start at four harmony and four corruption. Awesome. So, uh, yeah. sh um, should I go with how I'm feeling? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, Caldera. 
Um, How are you doing? I think in, in somewhat of a contrast to the others, I think I am feeling almost a... It's not quite relief, but there's a self-assuredness to the sense of duty, to the idea that, that something feeling wrong means that there's something I can or should or will be doing. Um, sort of a sense of purpose in that way. Yeah. Yeah, I also think, like, we are guardians, so yeah. things being wrong wouldn't be out of, I mean... There's a reason why we are assembled, usually. Um, mm -hmm. So I think uh, I, I think I do fret a bit about this, or Dentalian frets a bit, but uh, I think is is pretty easily swayed to be to want to be active, to want to be like, okay, well, it's our job, so let's we should probably investigate. And how do you investigate? I don't. Hmm, I don't know. What what would be our uh what would be our best route? I could potentially like we could scan the environment or like to reach out to try and see if there's anything in the 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 the, the reef that is a positive force. Uh, any smaller creatures or, or sentient creatures that have gone out and I guess closer to what this potential threat is might have a better understanding of what it could be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's see. Let's see, kind of what that looks like. Do you? Um, I think that there's two kind of natural ways for you to do this, especially as the awakened who has a connection to like the the local wildlife more than others. Uh, do you? Do you kind of do a random poll of the the immediate wildlife, or do you go to your family to ask them questions? I, I think I would probably do a pull of the um the environment rather than, than my family. Okay. So this could be one of two things. Are you like reaching out to nature for this or are you like going and boots to the ground investigating? I think at this point reaching out to nature. Excellent. Um so tell me tell me what that feels like or like what you do for this. Scripty bits. Yeah. What's what's like a small little animal that like comes and helps you? I feel I feel like it would be another animal that that utilizes bacteria to to feed. I'm trying to think what that might be. Just a, a small. So uh, one cool thing that I love um, about like the ocean and ocean worlds, uh, especially like hydrothermal <laughs> vents, uh, are that that there's. There's these weird little shrimp that live nearby them, um, and they are they are master gardeners of their own unique individual personal gardens, because they grow bacteria in their mouths, and as they like filter this volcanic water through their mouths, the bacteria feeds, and they only eat the bacteria that they need to stay like full, yeah. and then they just grow the rest of it. So possibly, as you are looking around. You know, small little crustaceans are, are making little gardens of themselves and like pulling the, the bodies of, you know, pulling skeletons essentially just to like eat and just be happy. Like there's a, a community celebration of these things that are just like living off of bacteria that that floats around um, and you find one. What do you say to it to start asking around? I, I would say greetings. Have you or any of your kind 
or those you know ventured beyond the kelp reef in recent memory? Oh, beyond the kelp reef? No. It's, there's so much tide out there, there's nothing that's alive except for the kelp. Nothing? Well, I don't know. No one's been out there. Therefore, no one lives out there, right? Surely you must know of someone who has traveled beyond the kelp reef, even momentarily. So here, I think, yeah. is where we trigger that reach out move. So I would love for you to roll plus community, and we'll see how this conversation goes. Oh, fantastic. I rolled a six minus one. Excellent. So five. So five. Um, so, yeah, on a five. Oh, good. So the, the little crustacean just kind of looks furtively around and just says, Well, they always say that, you know, before they were here, the mouths used to live outside the kelp forest. You could ask one of them if you wanted to get close enough. Fantastic. Thank you for your sage advice and wisdom. And it like sloops up some bacterial slime and just says, Anytime. I feel very strongly that we should talk to the mouths. You say to the rest of your friends who reply. Uh, hmm. Hmm. Um, sure. Let's okay. do it. Yeah. I think uh, I think uh, Dentalian kind of uh, sidles up to um, like uh, one of Caldera's fins because they're about the same, <laughs> maybe as big as a fin, and it's just like I will, I will, yes, let's go check with the mouths. Um, yeah, yeah, and you, Yihun, you just feel this over not overwhelming, but just this general sense of unease, but also. This sense of we this is the group though. Like Yihon's not gonna do it with anyone else, so off we go. Well Sorry, go so ahead. depending on what we need for this, uh I can create devices. Um and I'm wondering if we might need uh some form of light to go through the like to get to where the mouths uh habitate or something even needed to communicate with them yeah uh one other thing about the mouths is that really you know that they are hungry and that they are fast and they don't like to talk but they do love to eat mm. Ooh. uh i think so this might fall more under Yihon's uh specialty but uh since my garden uh has the benefit of a calming aura I wonder if I could uh, devise a device that would emit that aura and hopefully um, slow down, calm down, uh, satiate any mouths that might enter within its radius. And I would love oh. to couple the move that I chose, which actually is Aura of Serenity. So I think we could work together quite well to accomplish that. And if I can get a grip on one of them, I can stop it from moving. Nice. Forever. Okay. <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> Preferably not, yeah. but it so, need be. <laughs> so, Yihon, it sounds like maybe you took um, It's Green as one of your moves. Or no, uh, Dantelion. Oh, uh, I took um, It Plugs in Where uh, to create, uh -huh. empower, genetically modified devices. Uh, so, 
Yeah, tell you tell me a little bit more about this device, and then please roll altruism. Uh, what I would like it to be is a small uh, coral. Uh, uh, well, I say small, but I think I'm picturing like a floating lantern. Uh, maybe um, mm -hmm. I don't know, significantly large enough, uh, made out of coral, like a little jellyfish robot uh, that emits um, this the that kind of contains the calming aura of my garden emits uh emits this uh portable calming energy the serene energy uh that we that can uh swim along beside us and and hopefully calm down anything that might enter its enter its area of effect i guess and i'm rolling plus nice. altruism and that is a 12. oh nice Ooh. Yes. Excellent. Uh, so the, the the device works better than expected. Uh, so you have three options. It either affects more creatures than you originally intended. Uh, it is unexpectedly stable and works for longer than originally designed. Uh, or you get to choose a basic move and that device grants you plus one ongoing to that move. Which means that you will continuously get a plus one bonus to any rolls that you make with that basic move while you have this little jellyfish friend yeah, around you. I would like I would like for it to add to um salve wounds when uh you tend to another suffering. Um as long yeah. as he's around, I would like to get a plus one for salve wounds. I think that goes around along with my nurturing nature, with the calming aura. It makes it easier to heal, makes it easier to uh connect um with uh, with the other creatures within its range yeah uh so it might be a good idea to just kind of refresh ourselves that while we were doing character creation i asked for everyone to start with at least one condition marked uh so in descent into midnight we have stats uh like hope altruism community calm and drive uh and then we have conditions that kind of go along with those despairing selfish isolated angry or conflicted that impose penalties on those stats everyone should have a condition mm -hmm. marked um salve wounds might be something that you can do to sort of start clearing those oh, conditions really? Okay. Yeah. Good to know. All right. So yeah, I I, I think I, I return to my garden. And I can I, I find or construct this 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 little device, uh, and we I I, I present it to the group and I say, well, I'm ready to go. And I again kind of like slide up next to Caldera because Yihon doesn't have a body to worry about, and <laughs> I'm I'm sure Warden, uh, you have a hard shell. I I have a rock that I'm yeah. attached to and it's a volcanic rock. I feel like I I may occasionally just shift it on up next to next to Caldera and possibly like hide in a gap in the uh the volcanic scales. Yes. Do you need, do you need cover her? Very cool. Uh sorry, do you need carried with your rock or are you are you mobile with it? Um I've I've been envisioning it as I've been able to use my psionics to oh right and, and my understanding of of the thermal vents and and currents of of water to be able to ride ride the currents in such oh, a way great. that I can move around. If anyone's seen like an anemone move where they just kind of pick up their like their foot and just fly through <laughs> the air, uh, that is what I get the image of. Except the foot is a rock. <laughs> And then you have like a little friend that that hitchhikes Just trails around along with you. behind. Yeah. <laughs> and now you're hitchhiking on me. <laughs> I love it. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, very good image. Uh, so you had this little this calming jellyfish friend, and I would actually like for you to just roll salve wounds for anyone. Um, let's say uh, let's say Caldera because you've saddled up besides yeah. her. Um, I don't like that. I I feel like um I feel like uh Dentalian would be uh naturally because of their nurturing nature and because they want to heal and Caldera is kind of suffering in some ways it sounds like uh with like the cracked scales and stuff mm-hmm. i think i would naturally want to help i really like this too because oh, yeah. the condition that i have marked is selfish Ooh. and me <gasps> giving you all rides on my back and you clear <laughs> potentially clearing that condition is really nice yeah yeah <laughs> have you just been grumbling about it mm-hmm. this whole time mm-hmm. yep i do it but i don't want to and i'm rolling plus hope for that Oh, I am not yeah. good at that. Mm. Oh, like, that sometimes is... you'll take a sharp turn just to make me go flying off? Oh, yes. <laughs> just just occasionally. Yeah. I did get an eight. Uh, Caldera, do you manage to, like, kind of open up to us? I think um, I think while we're riding on you, uh, if, if I'm trying to, like, cure your selfishness, I think I do kind of, like, try to swim up near um, your your head um and try to like have a conversation with you try to ask you you know how how are you how are you feeling today caldera are you are you hopeful about the the mission are you are you feeling positive um so uh, i i have to ask you uh if you open up to my attempts to help i think i do um and i think i do because i am feeling hopeful and because um like i mentioned this sort of sense of like purpose and self-assuredness i think it's it's a a good moment for caldera i think caldera feels at her best when she has something to be doing um and Mm. so because we're on our way to do something i'm more likely to be willing to open up Um, so yes i do open up to you great uh i rolled an eight so only one of us gets to heal our condition and i do think it should be you I'm selfish, so I think it should be me too. <laughs> and now I'm not selfish anymore. <laughs> That's perfect. So like instant regret. Like, yes, it should be me. Oh. So yes, it should be me. Mm, maybe it should. No, it's okay, I guess. <laughs> also, so I, I, I do like that because I kind of want to hold on to mine uh, because I took conflicted. Um, and mm. I'm envisioning conflicted as uh, not really knowing if eliminating the darkness is what i want to do versus study it nice Ooh, very cool so you've made your friend you've helped a friend uh now let's shift our spotlight to a friend uh because yihon uh you said that you had a move that you were looking to use um what what do we what happens what does yihon do so for the aura of serenity uh it says when you calm emotions around of those around you you can either choose either an emotional state or condition and resist corruption nearby creatures have the emotional state muted or they do not suffer penalties from the chosen condition until the end of the scene yeah so tell us what what happens so what i've been thinking is all of you start to feel this very weird sense that Yihon isn't there as much anymore. And um, I don't want to say the name wrong. So haha, have fun cutting this out. And then Talion, you, you sense that Yihon has actually kind of entered into the jellyfish 
robot that you've created. Ooh, wonderful. And I, Gihon is entering in there to kind of work with what you've created as well as enhance it, as well as kind of let it enhance the powers that they have. So then in conjunction with everything that's going on, I'll kind of cast out the, like that conflicted nature is, is not going to affect anything that we do because I had also chosen conflicted. Oh, cool. So I'm going to kind of cancel that out for both of us. Because this feels like the right thing. Whatever happens next, this is what we're, what Yihon feels like they're supposed to be doing. That's awesome. And even though I can't see you do it, like when I sense you doing it, I like swim over to the to the device and I'm just like staring at it and like swimming around it, making like all these mental notes at how it's like subtly changing, how the frequencies seem to have moved and like, oh, maybe I can improve it next time by doing this. If Yihon can do this, maybe they can do this and help me out with this project. And I'm just like, like fascinated by it uh so yes um conflicted is no longer going to impose a penalty uh on roles you can still act conflicted uh and i encourage you to do so um but you uh, you have it you have it significantly okay. muted um so that is part of this move the other part of this move neil uh is that i would love for mm -hmm. you to roll to resist corruption mm -hmm. When you stave off corruption, roll plus the amount of corruption that you have marked. And you want to roll low on this <gasps> Like two ones? I rolled two ones. So I got a six. You rolled yeah. two ones. You got a six. Uh, so on a six minus, mark harmony and hold on to your true self. You keep the corruption at bay and you reduce your corruption score by one. Oh, that's amazing. Uh what does the audience experience as Yihon holds on to their true self? I think as much as Yihon gets to connect to all of these other creatures, it's that cursory connection. It's kind of whatever they're willing to connect with me on. And I've had deeper connections before, especially with this group, but somehow that embodiment of the jellyfish has created almost in me this this very deep connection like I've never felt before. And I think that's really helped Yihon hone in and focus on their true self rather rather than any time ever before. Excellent. Uh, and then I think, Caldera, you said that you had something that you wanted to do I want to catch a mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's go catch them all. Um, um, so the four of you move from the sort of city center where you were um, you were investigating these small little crustaceans with their slimy bacteria goop, um, and you move kind of towards an edge uh, as the the coral shelf falls away into a uh, a rocky crevasse. Um, you see silvery glints as the mouths move their bodies in the darkness uh and you you hear the hunger itself uh rumble up from the the skeletal coral uh underneath you well i'm gonna get eaten <laughs> i'm not um <laughs> i think that i think that caldera feels more comfortable out here where there's um less density of life 
and more I think that sort of rocky crevice type landscape is is something that she's familiar with um I think because she's so big she sometimes worries about um mobility in a way um because okay. a reef area is often a little more shallow and I think it particular being this day of celebration where the tides are highest um and being out further from things I think she instantly falls into this like more comfortable faster kind of movement um this sort of darting back and forth movement um and she is going to try to reach out and catch one of these mouths um I have the move one to one when you grapple with an opponent ask if they yield um, and then if they do, I can do some stuff. Yeah. So tell me exactly how you reach down and grab one of these mouths. Um, I want to say it's almost like reverse whack-a-mole. I think she finds a place above one of these sort of crevices and, and sort of watches and awaits and then just sort of reaches her arm in at the at the right moment to grab mm. and pull, sort of. Yeah. So the thing is, the mouths never yield. <laughs> uh, they are always continuously <laughs> hungry. And they are always and continuously eating. So as you thrust your arm into the center of this crevasse, you feel the piercing of the mouth's teeth uh, close around your wrist and your... And, and, kind of bite and pull you in. Uh, so I would love for you to mark corruption. Yeah, so what happens when you have five corruption? Uh, when you max out your corruption track, uh, you clear your okay. track. You immediately roll to resist Great. corruption. Uh, so roll plus the amount of corruption you have marked. Uh, is that before I clear or Right after? now is five. Okay. Uh, sorry, I should, I should say okay. yes. You clear last. Okay. Um, so I rolled a six plus five is 11. Oh, good. Uh, the corruption works its way deeper into your mind, body, and soul. Uh, so after you've cleared, you mark corruption. Okay. Um, so you'll start with one after yep. you've cleared. Uh, but you have corruption deep into your mind, body, and soul. Uh, I'll give you a moment to think about what that means. And it may just come naturally back. Uh, from what I'm going to tell you next, uh, which is that you get to choose a new yes. move that you get for your playbook. Um, so when you when you fill your corruption track, um, you resist corruption, you reset down to zero, um, and then you get a corruption move, which should be the, th the third page in the basic and special moves <laughs> document. You get to add one of these moves to your playbook forever okay oh they're all so good <laughs> yeah uh once you have access to five corruption moves your character is overtaken uh and lost to the corruption and the gm gets control of that character Ooh. um i have a random question that i feel like i should have asked based on what just happened was i supposed to do something different because the harmony track filled up oh yes you filled your harmony yes. track uh, so when you fill your harmony track, you clear your harmony track, and you get an advance, uh, which you can find on the last page of your playbook, uh, or the first page of that PDF mm -hmm. document. Oh, I printed it out and folded it like I was supposed to. Oh, yes. Good. <laughs> 
Uh, so then, yes, it's on the back of your sheet. Uh, advancement. Uh, when you fill your harmony track, you advance. Clear the harmony track and choose one option from the list below. Okay, I will do that. I think I'm... There are a couple of these that I'm torn between, but I think... Um, particularly because we're not playing a longer campaign here, I think I'm going to take It Makes Everything Easier. Yeah. Okay, so when you descend into Midnight, you also gain plus two forward. Hell yeah. And Descend into Midnight is a special move that when you embrace the negative emotions within you, uh, treat the result of any basic move roll you just made or are about to make as a 7 through 9 if it was a miss or a 10 plus if it was a 7 through 9. Uh, after resolving the move, tell the guide who is hurt most by your actions and choose one. Either mark the condition associated with the stat of the move you just made uh, or, mark cor- or mark corruption and immediately roll to resist corruption. Um, so you're going to... you you are going to be better at getting into those negative emotions um, because you're going to take a plus two to some things. So, yeah, this is going to be great. (laughs) Um, So tell me, uh, tell me how the corruption moves into your mind, body, and soul. I think that, so one of the things about the Redeemed playbook that that really called me when we were choosing playbooks is this idea that the redeemed sort of sees violence as necessary but not appealing. I think... um, Yeah. But I think what the corruption does is that there is... um, I think Caldera enjoys it a little too much um, because the... The next part of resolving my one-to-one move is that I harm the mouths according to the fiction. Um, And I think that it is just... She just takes a little too much... Not quite joy, but, like, enjoys it a little more than she knows that she should and feels that she should. Uh, And what what does that look like? What does enjoying it look like, or what does... does the harm look like i guess what is the whole like thing what is the experience that we get um so do the mouths have like physical because she's reaching in and grabbing and i'm trying to sort of visualize what she's grabbing i guess yeah i think that for me as the guide uh of this this game um I just had them as mouths. Okay. So if you have an idea for what you want, no, that's go great. for it. But I otherwise, think she, she yeah. reaches in with one hand and sort of grabs essentially like the the lower jaw sort of of one of them. And then as, as it's refusing to yield, t- reaches a second hand in and sort of starts to pry them apart a bit. Oof. Oh. Um, and I think... Um, think uh dentalian you're st- are you still up by her head yeah i i would i would love to help in some way what well, so i was gonna say in terms of the corruption i think that you can see the sort of intense focus on her mm. face it's this very sort of single-minded um um again i can't quite think of the right word for it um yeah it sounds like almost like rage but without the anger like it just mm-hmm. determination yeah it's like this yeah. this vindictive I, pleasure in in causing pain or in i think in an ideal world the fact that the mouths refused to yield should have been frustrating 
Mm. And I think instead of it mm. being frustrating, it is um, almost encouraging. Like the the mm. lack of mm-hmm. getting the response she wanted is is pushing her to go farther. Like these things can't be reasoned with, so I have an excuse just to destroy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I think. I think when I see that, it worries me specifically because this is the best lead we have. So <laughs> I think I want to try to uh, either help you subdue it without killing it in hopes that there's still a chance. And I'm not sure if there is. Um, but with both my device and so... Yihon and and you you grappling it, I'm kind of picturing... you. Have you guys ever seen the, the people that, like fishing for catfish in louisiana they just mm-hmm. stick yeah. their yep. noodling yeah it's exactly that yeah um um quick question before we get too far into this uh did does caldera have go to it laughing yes oh. so we're gonna resolve yeah, that okay. first uh w- when you stare down a threat with laughter in your heart roll plus right. drive that's a 10 plus one so an 11 Oh, shit. You surprise, frighten, or awe your opponents and pick two items from the list. Uh, your current threat ignores your companions. You take plus one ongoing, or you manage to keep yourself out of danger. Okay. Um, I don't want to keep myself out of danger, so I'm going to take plus one ongoing. Yeah. And the thing with the current threat ignores your companions is that I wonder if that's going to make the threat ignore them in both a negative and a positive way. Oh. <laughs> but I'm going to go with it. Yeah, so you get plus one ongoing. Um, the mouths all start to swarm around your arm, uh, but you've ripped them out of the uh, the coralline chasm, um, and it's just this mass this mass of writhing silver uh, and red and and ivory of teeth, um, and they like clamp down on your arm. Um, and uh, I would love for. Um, I would love for you to mark a condition. Yeah. I don't think that there's a move that I'm going to ask you to roll. I think that that's just, this is the danger that is happening to you. Um, and uh, I I really like, um, I like this. I like where we were going with um, Dan Talent. Dan, goodness, I'm never going to remember that either, Neil. <laughs> um, I, I like Dan Talent. Dan Talion. I like Dantelion, um, sort of like coming to uh, to Caldera's aid, but I want to see what um, what Vorden yeah. is doing. Vorden, the panic of being a sort of a prey species, a uh, a nutrient rich hive around uh, hydrothermal vents. Um, you said that you this isn't the first time that you've had to deal with darkness. This isn't the first time that you've had to deal with predators. Um, the animal brain still within you is is shrieking out in fear uh, as this predator is now, you know, out of its normal hiding spot where you can normally avoid. It's out in the open. Um, your f- your fight or flight is is pinging in you. Uh, what do you? Do? I I feel like I'm I desperately want to get out of there, um. But like the, the rock I'm attached to has kind of been, um, crunched in between some of the plates on the side of mm. of Caldera, and I I physically cannot get away. And, and so I am just, 
like while screaming in panic inside my brain, I am also resigned to the fate that I knew I knew I would die and I knew I would be eaten and I knew that this would be happening now. And and there was never any hope that I wouldn't be a prey animal. That was that was a dream. That was something I thought I could rise above what I was and that I can't. That's not that's not me. That's not going to be me. And if I'm going to get eaten, I I need to do something to help. Yeah. I don't know what, I don't know how, but I need to Well, yeah. So it sounds like this is a pretty traumatic moment for you. Would you say that's I would correct? say that is pretty correct. <laughs> so I would love for you to endure trauma and roll plus the number of conditions that you have marked. Endure trauma. Uh, this is a special move. Endure. It is endure. Roll plus the number of conditions. A six plus one. So seven. On a seven through nine, I would like for you to choose one. Either you mark a new condition, uh, you mark corruption, you expose a teammate to danger, or you take minus one ongoing until you seek help. Oof. That's a choice and a half. <laughs> I feel like, um, I feel like, oh, Christine, let me know if this is not something that you're thinking um, could be a way to go, but... If if I'm that traumatized that I'm just I'm using all of my psionic energy to try and break away from 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 your from your character from Caldera, if <laughs> if I'm able to do that, presumably that would take some of the scale with me and so, and yeah. open you up to to harm um, mm -hmm. by removing just a chunk of that protection in in my sort of abject terror. That sounds right to me. Yeah. Cool. All right, um, then I think I'm going to run screaming into the void. Yeah, so you you disappear. You take a chunk of Caldera's uh, armor with you. And then um, Caldera, it's almost as if there's a vacuum from that that empty plate space. And the, the mouths start getting pulled uh, as if as if that vacuum was sucking them into you that that open chasm uh it's a chasm in your flesh but it's a chasm that they are taking as their home so in oh, their God. panic they're going to start burrowing into you um we'll, we'll put some content warnings <laughs> at the beginning of the episode <laughs> that for, like, is rough yep um body horror uh and stuff um but yeah this is like really a yeah. lot um and yihon uh, you feel the echo from around the kelp forest um, pull through these open chasms like a like a needle and thread through uh, through mm. cloth, um, and uh, and then actually I think this is good synergy for everyone um, because Dantalian, uh, you see and you feel through your like your cultivation. Um, your your garden sense your connection to like mm -hmm. plant life um you feel the kelp um sort of pushing up through this ancient hole that the mouths used to live in um and like that plant life starts pushing into the coral um since there is a vacuum there mm. uh i think dentalian is watching all, all this happen and it's just going no 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 <laughs> um uh, I would like to use. Uh, I would like to um, call upon my homeland to aid another. Um, seeing as, as seeing as yeah. uh, uh, 
Caldera, uh, I mean, Vorden's panicking. Uh, Caldera just had a chunk ripped out of her and is, like, wrestling with these things. Um, I can psionically manifest an aspect of my garden um, in order to protect my allies. Um, so I would like to do that, if at all possible. Yeah. Tell me what what that manifestation um, I, is. I again want to go... Uh, I, I think the manifestation is... Um, well, I have calming aura and animated constructs. Um, and I don't... Uh, actually, I kind of like uh, the animated constructs concept, especially if I'm thinking of this in defense. Um, if I can uh, psionically manifest uh, these... Um, like a school of of these coral bone uh fish uh that uh maybe like right like dart out of the uh the sands around us to um to try to distract the mouths to dart at the mouths to um take some of this pain off of caldera um i think seems like oh. a more immediate threat than like to, like literally combating the mouths versus uh trying to calm things down yeah and you you feel um it's easy for you to do this because you feel the sort of um sort of vengeful retribution of all of the bones and the skeletons of the creatures that have been consumed by the mouths coming together uh to rip them out of your friend's side um and and kind of toss them back into the chasm um you uh, I, I don't necessarily know that I want you to roll for this because I think this is very cool. Um, okay. And so this happens. Your your constructs um, have have taken care of the immediate danger. Okay. So just to jump in, super random, but I finally decided what to do with that advancement. Um, yeah. So I chose to take a move from another playbook. So I looked to yep. the seeker and I took never alone. And essentially yeah. I'll just say what happens. Forget all the mechanics. I'm just going to say what I think happens. And then we can talk about a small amount of mechanics, but essentially as I was entering this jellyfish robot, and as all these things are kind of pushing out from the kelp forest an ancient alien spirit from the far echo came into the jellyfish with me and now essentially it's kind of turned into its own creature and I am kind of connected to it because I entered that jellyfish at the same time and now I'm mm. that's what I ended up finding as that deeper connection and now I am quote never alone and this this spirit reaches out to you and just says where am I and there's a, a moment of confusion, and I kind of convey that back because I, I wasn't expecting anything. I wasn't expecting a response, but yeah. um, I think I try and convey that you are home. There is great violence here. How is this a home? It is. It is in a state of flux, but we are here to protect this home, and sometimes that. Sometimes violence finds us, but know that we never seek it. Your friends are conflicted and dangerous. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Understatement. 
okay, just making sure that we're on the same page. Uh, no. <laughs> um, I think you get, like, uh, an affirmation or, like, a, a sense of understanding from this mm-hmm. spirit. Uh, so, yeah, you you have this um, this never-alone spirit with you. Very cool and choice. And mechanically, I get a plus one on two basic moves um, ongoing, as long as the ally is present and willing to help. And, of course, the the relationship would long-term require that I do certain things for them as well. Um, but I chose yeah. reach out and scan the environment. Kind of that idea of combining that telepathic nature and dipping into the echo uh, in conjunction with them. So I thought both of those moves would fit really well. Uh, so, yes. Uh, Vorden... Yes. Um, Actually, I think let's let's jump to Vorden and Caldera. Um, the the immediate threat is over. Um, Dantalion is like corralling these skeletal creatures to um, to round up the mouths, which are still like writhing and pulsing. Um, Caldera, you have like an open wound on your side. Vorden, you are coming down, uh, coming back maybe um, from from this horrible animal panic. <laughs> Yeah, well, um, I was going to ask Zach. Um, I I was just checking when you um when Dantanian sent to her, Dantalian, uh, uh, manifested the an aspect of the garden. That was the the creatures, wasn't it? Yes. Or, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was the the small like coral fish automatons. I was just thinking if there was a physical aspect of it, I'd probably be hiding in it at this point. But um Oh, what's that um what's that D and D monster that's like the like worm that lives inside of a corpse? Oh I have no idea. Sounds uh, horrifying I, though. Yeah, that does. I'm, I'm, well, yes, so let's I'm, let's I, let's I, let's I, assume that that's going to be be me. Basically I think <laughs> at that point I'd I'd just I'd given in to my, my, my base animal instincts and one of the um one of the, the fish had been um sort of attacked by the the, the mouths and Silky's just started burrowing into it, and I've just gone with it. Oh. And so, so like, we're just we're we're hiding hmm. both, like one popping out of one eye hole and the other one out of the other. Just oh kind god, of keeping an eye on things. <laughs> okay. And using my psionics to kind of make it swim around and and still appear to be part of the 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 shoal of fish, just following their movements. Hmm. Uh, I. Th- I think, uh, alright, so I, I don't know if we want to do Caldera first, or if we want to try to calm Vorden down, Vorden seems very, uh, upset. So, Dantalian, you have this choice. Two of your friends are hurt, mm. one physically, one maybe emotionally. Which one do you go to? <laughs> um, well, I, I just, uh, I just pushed off the yes i see i the the swarm kind of managed to push the mouths off of uh caldera all right yeah. i think i want to go to uh vorden first because vorden seems to be having a very bad time <laughs> um and i think yeah. I, I i think i would psychically reach out to yihon um as well uh i'm not sure if yihon uh, i mean my i am nurturing by nature and i want to help um I don't know if I am as equipped to help 
this panic um despite my my calming aura of my reef um i don't know if i'm as good as talking as yihon may be so i think i reach out to yihon and say uh vorden is having a is is very troubled um can can you help me try to to bring them back yes let's let's calm them calm them down um i think i what since i have a physical body i go to i i think i swim up to this this uh this fish that uh vorden has taken um and i i call to vorden i say vorden everything's going to be all right you can you can come out now so when you tend to another's suffering ask that player if they open up to you uh vorden do you open up to me i think it takes a moment but i think because vorden can view the the field and does know that the danger has passed though can danger really pass or is it always ever present? But I think I think Vorden does, uh, after a, a brief hesitation, open up. So now roll plus hope, please, Dantelia. Uh, I should probably let Yihon <laughs> leave on that. <laughs> uh, that is an eight. Only one of you gets to either clear a condition or mark harmony. Uh, I would like to give it to uh, Vorden. Oh, good. In that case, I will clear a condition because that has been causing a lot of distress, and if I can get rid of it, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. In this case, it might be uh, more... It might make more sense for Yihon to, to tend to Caldera while while I'm talking for it. Yeah, again. I was going to say, let's let's shift the, the viewpoint now. Yihon and Caldera. I think that I am trying to convince... Okay, um, so when I took a condition... Um, earlier i took isolated um Mm -hmm. and i took that not because i was feeling isolated but because i was sort of isolating myself um and so i think that i think that i am reluctant to accept help in a way i think that i think that caldera is trying to act like it's fine and that she's not in any kind of pain and that this is not like this is not a problem um with a sort of stoic sense of like a resolute sense of of just you know ignoring it mm-hmm. um I think that that she has like curled herself up in a way that the plates on either side of the wounded area are sort of overlapping now and protecting it um but that's not like a sustainable. Like, she can't really move from there without upsetting that. Yeah. And Yihon, how do you help? So, you'll see the jellyfish robot kind of swim over towards Caldera, and it's almost like this connection to a connection. I try, I know... Mm. I can get the sense that there's this isolation or the attempted isolation, but in some way that's the one thing Yihon doesn't want someone to do more than about probably most things. And so Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to link all of us back together really to be, to remember that we all get together because we are the support group for this community and each other. And so I will try mm. and create a a deep psychic link between all of us. 
to kind of just be the tide that raises all ships, if you will. Um, but so I would yeah. still probably do self wounds in an attempt to remove the isolated condition. I think so. Yeah. Let's see. I, have a... I think you can create that link, but I think mechanically what that does is help um, help Caldera's so suffering. That's hope, right? Yeah. Okay. Roll plus hope, and that would be a twelve. Um, actually, we missed a very vital part of that move, which is oh, asking Caldera if that's she wants right. to. That's right. So you'll. That is very very true. Um, so you'll get this sense initially of this connection to Yihon. But then you'll feel almost immediately behind it a connection back to Vorden, back to Dantelion, and then just this unifying connection. And it's the question of do you open yourself to that connection? <laughs> I think because it is that connection to everyone and not just to Yihon, I think I do. I think the isolation would have would have made me not want to open up to just one. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm more likely to open up to the the collective. So yes, I do. Awesome. Yeah, and so then Dantillion and Vorden, somewhat unbeknownst to you, all of a sudden you kind of feel that connection and just this back and forth of comfort, I think, in a lot of ways, knowing that we're all there. We may be here or there, but we're all connected. And so, yes, I would have rolled a 12. Excellent. Uh, so you each get to choose to clear a condition or mark a point of harmony. I think it makes sense for me to clear my condition. And I will mark a point of harmony. I will mark a point of harmony because my condition is cleared. Uh, yeah, I will also clear my condition. Actually, yeah, I'll clear my condition. Excellent. So we have a moment of calm as we we rejoin our psychic spaces with each other. We we get connected back to one another. Um, Neil, uh, Caldera's actions with the mouths were pretty brutal, uh, and I I think that that triggers your. It sick. does. Yeah. Um, so you mark harmony. And then please resist corruption as you uh, you you join psychic uh, links with each other. You get kind of that flashback, uh, that that residual savagery. Um, so then it's plus the current amount of corruption I have. Okay. Yes. So then I get a seven. And all right. So. On a 7 through 9, when you resist corruption, uh, you stave off the corruption for now, but something inside you is unsettled, and I would like for you to mark a condition. Um, hmm. Oh, that's tough. Let's see. How does it feel? Yeah. Yeah, seeing that... Oh, okay. I knew which one I wanted, but I couldn't, couldn't figure out why I wanted it. So I will mark angry because... I'm angry that we were forced to do that. I'm not angry that Caldera did did those things. I'm angry that we had to do those things. That you were yeah. put in that position. Were the mouths completely driven back? We've lost the mouths. Um, I think so. 
Um, and here we are at uh, almost 6 p.m. Central. Uh, I the editors note we can cut this part out, but I think that we're close to like wrapping this thing up. We might not have closure to our story, um, but I think we're at like we've had our inciting incident, rising action, and like falling action. So like I think that this might be a good spot to like finish up and call things uh, for the episode. Um, but I want to make sure that like we're all kind of satisfied with things. So like what might we want to do to like close this story to like maybe not get closure, but like to reach a good stopping point. I I think with be, the last thing that kind of happened was a deeper connection to each other by me psychically connecting all of us. I think a conversation mm-hmm. about a quick conversation about how we're on the same page and what we need to do with what we think is about to come towards us, I think would be a good way. Yeah. And then like ending on a Mm -hmm. cliffhanger, maybe let's do it. Who speaks first after you've made this psychic link? The jellyfish. Uh, (laughs) I think, yeah, I mean, that might be a good answer. The spirit says the echo is reaching in. And you all must prepare. I think the Italian is, is, I don't know how to express this with words, but since it's a psychic connection, uh, I think empathy can, is fine. I think the Italian is frustrated because they feel like they didn't make progress in understanding. They, they, they followed a lead and that lead seemed to hit a dead end. Um, I think that's feeling that's a feeling of frustration um which i think it's a problem for dentalian because they're ignoring literally they're in a improved psychic space with their compatriots caldera or vorden do either of you two have thoughts on whether or not you need to understand this how much analysis is acceptable to an awakened creature or a an instrument of violence that has just been uh, patched up. I think, I think Caldera is starting to question that. I think if if before this you had asked Caldera that question, she would have thought that analysis was not her role. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that maybe because we're all feeling this this empathetic connection and she is feeling Dentalian's frustration at this dead end and they didn't get anywhere, I think she's starting to question how true that actually is. Um, and and if, if what she should be is just a weapon that you point at something and and let it, you know let it go um i think she's feeling through everyone else's feelings that maybe she does need to question and understand things more if that makes sense yeah how does she uh how does she communicate this to the group um that's a good question (laughs) um i don't think she says anything um, mm. but I think that she does, um, 
this this posture that she's adopted to sort of cover over the injured part on her side um, is sort of a defensive posture. And so I think she shifts out of that and into a more sort of open, um, sort of holds her body more openly. And I think she makes room between the plates um, on her back and on her shoulders for... Um, character is for Vorden to to settle in if they choose to um and room for Dentalian to move closer if they choose to um and I think there's there's through this sort of empathetic connection there's a feeling of almost an apology yeah um this might be reverse engineering this move but it's it sounds like you're asking those players if they open up to you in order to tend to their suffering. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so what is the answer, Vorden? Uh, I think I think Vorden, Vorden would... Um, Vorden is still feeling... They're feeling a lot of guilt over having fallen apart so completely and having given in to that despair that they felt so acutely um, and that they no longer feel. And I, I so I think... They would accept um, and 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 go to that that position, but I don't think they would latch on again. I think they would hold mm. themselves um, not apart, but just just up from that position in um, protection of it, so that what happened before couldn't happen again. Mm. And Dantelion? Yeah, I, I really like this uh, because we're seeing, like, all the characters kind of, like, switching from their, like, nature at the start of it. Like, uh, um, Caldera kind of switching to trying to be more, like, introspective and Vorden trying to be less, um, like, instinct-driven. Uh, and Dantelion is just, um, I think Dantelion is kind of reveling in these negative emotions rather than looking at the facts and the data like they were the first people to see or the first things to see the mouths and fend them off and survive the mouths and like dentine is just ignoring that because they they can't see it through their frustration um i don't mm. i don't think i yeah i don't think i go back there i don't think i go back to the safe spot by uh by caldera mm. well at least one player <laughs> someone opened up, opened up to so, me so I think this this might be the the final roll for the game, but I would love for you to roll right. plus hope. What an appropriate final roll! I hope I don't <laughs> fail miserably. <laughs> oh, I rolled a four plus one, so that's a five. <laughs> that is a five. Um. Oh, good because I I I know that we are not getting closure on this game. Um, and I, I don't think that we even get the emotional closure of coming together wow, after it. this. So, like, Vorden, you, you take your, your place again, but something is different and something has changed. I've ruined everything. Um, and it just doesn't feel right yet. Um, and we'll end on that kind of cliffhanger as we know that this is just the start for these characters. Um, and we can all imagine their their adventures and, and journeys in the future here. But for now, I think this is a good time to draw the curtain on this game of Descent into Midnight. I'm so heartbroken. 
Oh. I ruined everything. <laughs> no, it would not. <laughs> oh, please, if we're playing that blame game, I'm the one that tore everything apart and yeah. was like, hey, the crab said, let's go talk to the mouths. Let's go talk to the mouths. I just wanted to grab one. <laughs> <laughs> um, the good thing about Descent into Midnight is that it has a lot of yes. emotions in it. Yeah, yeah. It was good. Uh, so thank you everyone for for joining us for this game um again you can find more information on descent into midnight including uh a playtest packet for you the listeners you yourselves can play this game in development now uh by going to descentintomidnight.com. um we will kind of close things up here um as, as always, I am Taylor. You can find me on Twitter at Leviathan Files. Uh, you can find everything about Riverhouse Games at riverhousegames.com. Uh, and you can listen to Game Closet, a queer and LGBT tabletop role-playing game podcast, uh, anywhere that you can find podcasts. Um, let's go around and refresh where we are all at uh, social media and project-wise. Uh, and we'll start with yeah, Christine. I'm Christine. You can find me and everything that I do on Twitter at C Previs. And you can find my podcast, The Unexplored Places, on Twitter at UnexploredCast. And Morgan? I've been Morgan. Uh, you can find me uh, at at MoronJenk on Twitter or my podcast, Going in Blind, at Going in Blind D&D. Or I turn up all over the place in other people's podcasts. You may never know if you're going to run into me or not. I'm a surprise. And Neil? I'm Neil, and you can find me on Twitter at Jotmoniac. Jotmoniac? That's Jack of All Trades, Master of None, I-A-C. And you can find the Dungeon Master's Block at DMS underscore block on Twitter. And you can find Whelmed at the YJ Files on Twitter. And we link to everything else, all the episodes and everything like that. So yeah, Twitter. It's the place. And Zach. Uh, I'm Zach. You can find me on Twitter at ZWGarth. Uh, you can find the podcast that I GM for, HeartPointsPod, at HeartPointsPod on Twitter. And then I just want to take a, a special moment to thank Tess, who is at RPG underscore casts on Twitter uh, and is also RPGcasts.com. Thank you, Tess, so much for putting together International Podcast Month, for bringing people together, uh, for enjoying this space with all of us and making this possible. Um, so that is it for all of us. So until next time, share and enjoy, everyone. Share mm -hmm. and enjoy. Share and enjoy. Plastic pal, and I can't remember the rest of this. <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs>